Super Talk Mississippi media production. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman Woo! back with you after a week off. Reunited and it feels good. That's right. Good to be back with you as, for all intents and purposes, football season is now here. Football practice starts this weekend. Mississippi State's 2019 season is officially underway as far as Joel T. and I are concerned. Before we uh, get into the, what we're talking about today, I want to thank all of you guys for listening, especially you guys for coming back with us. We appreciate you know letting us have some time off. We needed it to recharge, but now we are set for a man- fantastic stretch run here in the 2019. Uh, I want to thank our great listeners out there, however you're listening to us, be it at supertalk.fm or wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, our great servicemen and women out there across the world taking care of us as we speak. And want to thank our sponsor, Strange Brew Coffee House and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. I heard the weather, you, know, you and I weren't here, but I heard the weather was good while we were gone. I wonder if, you know, that that may have dropped down. I think there was one day, like early in the week, where it was apparently a, just an absolute monsoon, maybe. Yeah. But other that, than that. that was, it was in the, like the, the low 80s. Yeah. High 70s. Yeah. In July. I just know that because I get the WTVA weather call thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, apparently I did not update that my location was in Florida instead yeah. of Starful. So, so you I, kept getting I, stuff. I got a random like flash flood warning thing. You're on the beach looking around like, yeah, <laughs> sunshine. Is there a tidal wave coming? What's sun, happening? Sunshine and sand between my toes, diet dew in hand, and flash flood warning? Flash flood warning. Sure. Sure, why not? <laughs> well, as the weather gets hotter, you need to cool off. Head over to Churn and Spoon Ice Cream or head over to Strange Brew Coffee. I was get a frozen drink. One of the many they have there on the menu, and check them out over on Highway 12 and uh, uh, Spring Street. I had I had a million dollar idea while I was down on vacation. Brew Orleans. That's great. It's great. I mean, even if it's a temporary one day thing for State's game down there here in a few weeks. Yeah, yeah. It's so funny going to New Orleans. I, I hadn't been in like four or five years, and now I'm gonna be back there in a month. It's like I feel like I was scouting. You're like, all right, do I want to go here? Want to? I don't know. I'll figure all my, that out. My trip to New Orleans will be extremely brief. Yeah, you're just going... Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll be there like Friday night, yeah. wake up, cover the game, write my stuff, come to the house. We'll get some dinner. Uh, so this is what I want to talk about today. First off, we're going to talk recruiting, obviously, in the second half of the show. And we got a lot of catch-up to do this week. We're going to have a couple of opponent previews, a couple of SEC previews, a couple of box scores, a couple of positional breakdowns. We've got to get everything caught up. I guess we have to do... Do we have to do... Th- we did, I did an opponent preview while I was gone. I did a positional breakdown. So I just, it's just a two. Well, to be fair, Brian... Yeah. Uh, this is our show. Yeah. So uh, No, this is our show was a different podcast. That's, that's true. Yeah. Uh, Shout so, out to the Godfather. <laughs> so uh where I was going with that was we don't have to do anything. No, nah, no, nah, I feel like we gotta keep I like to keep you know I'm a creature of habit. I don't like I don't like changes in routine. I'm a old I'm an old man. Don't like change. So we're we're gonna keep pushing along the way we Just have. Just saying. We'll get it figured Just out. Just saying. But what I want to talk about is this, and something I noticed I noticed it talk on, on vacation. I listened to an interview that Joe Moorhead did with Jim Rome. I don't know if you caught that interview. I knew that he had done it, but no, I've not gone back to listen. I went back and I listened to it the next day, and uh, it got me thinking because you know you have that. You got Vegas setting the line at eight and a half wins for Mississippi State. ESPN's FPI. Did Vegas set it eight and a half? I know FanDuel or whatever it was, or that's what something. I think I've seen that out of Vegas. Do it too. Out of Bovada and and, okay, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean that's where that's coming from. And then, you know, ESPN's FPI poll had MSU at 16th. The actual AP poll comes out on the 19th of August, the first preseason poll. And I'm I'm halfway expecting State to be in there, to be totally honest with you, at this point. So here's my question. In a year where, where people within the program 
people within the MSU fan base would say that was a disappointing season. Jim Rome talked about it like, wow, another big year for Mississippi State, eight wins in your first year. First, and he kept coming back to, you know, first uh, coach to win, have a winning season in his, or, you know, have eight wins in his first year at Mississippi State since 1939 or something like that. Just kept going on. And it seemed like his perception was Moorhead did a really good job in year one. Did, did State somehow gain national respect in a year where, where we, MSU fans would call it a disappointment? <laughs> where half of our podcast last season were just... We did a whole week of sad music. <laughs> I mean, we, we were... The first half of last season was probably a pretty depressing pod for you guys, I guess. Are we the bad guys? Maybe. Uh, yeah, you know, I, here's the reality of the situation is that Probably outside of Starkville, any time Mississippi State gets eight or more wins, that's a fantastic season, you know. Because it, everyone else that that's looking at Mississippi State, um, you know, they, they just kind of expect State to be at the bottom of the SEC West. I think that's just kind of the expectation, and, and so any time that State gets eight wins, it, it's seen as a success. And then when you start looking back. I mean, going back to Dan, now, State's had a solid decade pretty much now. I mean, I know you could pull out Dan's first year, and you could pull out the, you know, the year State lost to South Alabama, and you end up the sermon year. Well, yeah, the yeah. sermon year. You can pull out the two years. But by and large, State is a consistent seven- to eight-win team now and have been so for a decade. Yeah. And so I, I think that probably, I mean, there's a whole lot of folks now that have grown up with State going to bowl games. Ten, ten straight years? You, you know, you, you – well, I guess it's nine straight years, not ten straight years. It would be ten if they go this year. But uh, there are people that, you know, started in the first grade that are now, you know, sophomores, juniors in high school, whatever it is, that State's been going to bowl games their entire school life, you know, that, that sort of thing. People there, – there's a whole generation of people that don't – I about said respect – understand the fact that State was bottom of the barrel there for a long right. time. And, and so I do think that after 10 years of pretty consistent winning, I, I guess what I'm saying is it's about darn time State kind of gets a little bit and, of respect. And I'll give you all of that. But I would have given it to you a lot stronger had State won 9 or 10 games last season. The fact that they're coming off a year, and I think I said that before the season last year. I said, look, if State doesn't deliver this year, they're never going to be predicted highly. And then, you know, this year fit the SEC media days, which is I had them fourth. And, you know, I thought that, you know, because I'm not big on Auburn, but at SEC Media Days, there's a lot of Auburn media there who are going to pick Auburn fourth or maybe even third in the West. But for me, it's just mind-boggling. And I guess mind-boggling is not the right word because I think State's going to be decent this year. I could see State being a top 25 team if things go the right way, if, if, if Tommy Stevens is what he's supposed to be. But it's just odd coming off a year where if you ask the average MSU fan, they said, yeah, I was disappointed. Now all of a sudden, it seems like the national media has finally come around to this program. Is it is it Moorhead? Well, here's a is anyone nationally claiming state was a disappointment last year? That's no, the thing. That's no. the thing. Everyone that says that last year was a disappointment has maroon and white ties. Bottom line, you know, you and I. I think I was one of the ones banging the drum that state was going to win eleven games last yeah, year. You are, and uh, was only going to lose to Bama. Um, I don't think anyone else in the nation. Expected state to go eleven and one. 
You know, no, no, you didn't have any Jim Rome's or Colin Cowherd's or anybody on College Game Day or any of the SEC Network talking heads that I'm aware of. And if there was one, then you guys can point it out to me. But I don't think you had any of those guys saying State was going 11 and one or State might win the West. Or, I mean, I heard every now and then someone say, "Hey, State might be a sleeper team," kind of deal. You, you heard that every now and then, but I don't think you heard any of the national guys or any of the guys with a lot of pull say that State was going to be a 10-11 win team last year. All that jazz came from from people here in Starkville or people that, that have cowbells in their you know living rooms. And, and I'm not saying there was anything wrong with that at all. Um, but internally, I think the expectations were much higher than what externally were the expectations. And I think externally you saw, you know, for the people that doesn't have State ties, they saw, wow, State gets a first-year head coach, Mullen leaves – and Joe Moorhead comes in and wins eight games in his first year at Mississippi State? That looks pretty impressive when you yeah. don't live and die this program. So I kind of get it, you know? I here's, here's one way to look at it. I think State was preseason number 16 last year. I think that's right. Postseason number 16 was Texas A&M, a team State beat. They finished 9-4. and four. So in other words, State was about only one game off its projection of what – it was, you know, preseason predicted to be. Uh, and Moore had talked about that. He said, look, we were fi- predicted to finish third in the West last year. We would have finished third if, if A&M and LSU don't have that crazy game and LSU just wins, which they should have done. So, I don't like to – and I'll be honest with you, I think I talked about it, I talked about it on the pod while you were gone. I didn't really like the what I felt was like a walk back for him of, of talking about expectations. I got what he was saying. I, I don't see it as – he wasn't saying that MSU can't win championships. What he's saying is we should have kept that in the locker room. And I shouldn't have been so brash about it. I get that. And, and I totally agree with him because you know last year I was, I was one of the guys like this championship standard thing is not – it's not going to work. Um, but MSU wasn't far off – you know, honestly, one game off of the projections of where they were supposed to be. So it's just surprising. Like I said, if you haven't listened to that interview with Jim Rome, and I'm not much to tell you to go listen to somebody else, but I would take some time out of your day and listen to how Rome frames his questions. First of all, Rome is the best interviewer in the game, in my opinion. But he he frames it as what a successful first year you had. Whereas you and I, if we were to interview Joe Moorhead, we'd talk about why wow, you had some struggles your first year. You know, we might even say it was disappointing. So I found that just just very fascinating. The 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 difference. For for Rome for the national guy who isn't like you said immersed in maroon and white versus you and I who deal with it every day and know what the fan and really I feel like you and I and I'm not saying that other podcast hosts and other writers don't have it as well but you and I have the, we have an idea of the pulse of the fan beat yeah. the fan beat the the pulse of the fan base uh, that we you know we understand what because we see it every day on, on social media we see it on Twitter every day and, and also too I we've talked about this before a little bit on the show but. I feel like that so much of last season's how it's viewed would have changed if State had just throttled Iowa in the bowl game. You're 100 percent because like, then you know you're pre you were ranked in the coaches poll to finish the year at 25th. You're probably top 15 in both polls at nine and four. Yeah, you'd been nine and four. You'd had the Egg Bowl win. Yeah. You you crushed Arkansas, crushed Ole Miss, and then crushed Iowa. Finished Iowa's really, really strong. Yeah, you, you would have that. Yeah, State didn't move the ball much against Bama, LSU, but they're figuring out the Moorhead offense. You pin everything on Fitzgerald at that point. 
to be honest with you. That's what you do. You just say, look, you know, Fitzgerald just couldn't get it he done. He had limitations. He had limitations. And, and now that this new – now that Tommy Stevens is in, we're really going to see it and, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah, you're, you're not wrong. You know, I know a lot of people who are – they're not big on Moorhead. And – but after the Egg Bowl, they were willing to forgive and forget. But then the, the, the way the bowl game went down, it was just, just so bad that it, it pushed them back into, okay, I'm not sold on this guy at all. It was back to the midseason thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, that, the, yeah, that bowl game, by and large, I'm a guy that I, – look, I enjoy football. I'm glad they play all the bowl games. They play as many as you want. I'm, I'm kind of like you, Brian. I'm going to watch them. Well, i got two kids under three. I'm going to watch as much as I can. Right. Um, so, yeah, play as many bowl games as you want. But generally, I'm of the opinion, bowl games don't make a crap. You know, it doesn't matter. It's just football fun. I mean, you, you want to win the game when you play it, but it doesn't really matter unless you're in the playoff kind of deal. But for state, at least for like opinion purposes and how people have viewed the program internally, apparently not externally, is what we're doing here, but, but internally, man, that bowl game was one of the most, I don't want to say important, but in terms of shaping fan opinion, I think it's yeah. been one of the more impactful, I guess yeah. would be the You right had everybody word. on board after the Egg Bowl because you, you not only won the game, but you dominated it. Yeah. And, and, and beating Ole Miss badly gets MSU fans excited. And I mean, think about, 20, think about 2016. I mean, Going into that game, Mullen, people would have probably, would, if Mullen had gone to Florida after that game, nobody would have cared. I mean, like, send him on. But then he beats Ole Miss 55 to 20, and everybody's, okay, we're going to be all right. We're going to be all right. And it's, it just has that effect. And so, yeah, you're right. That seeing what happened in the bowl game, and like I said, it wasn't just that they lost, it was that they reverted back to the, the terrible, the offense was so bad, and they had so many, remember there were penalties in that game? Uh, was it Maurice Smitherman got kicked out of the game? And, and, they're just bad. So, it's yeah, but it's just interesting. Is there a number that Moorhead has to get to this year to get back to the faith level that he was like after the Egg Bowl? Are you talking about regular season? Yeah. If he got to eight, everybody would be really pleased. If he gets to seven, everybody would probably be acceptable. But if below, he gets to seven, beat Ole Miss, and win a bowl game. Yeah. If you are if you finish eight and five with an Egg Bowl and a bowl game, yeah, everybody's going to be fine. Yeah. Because, again, and I, I've said this about a thousand times, I thought this was going to be a seven and five kind of year, even with Mullen, with Keaton Thompson taking over, you know, and running that offense. And now you've got new offense, new quarterback, um, losing three first, losing three first rounder defense. I still think you know, think of seven and five. That, that you know, it just depends. It depends on also depends on how they lose. We do you, what you just talked about. They can't get. They can't score. Hold on, let me do the math real quick in my head. Seven plus six is 13, 16. They can't score sixteen points in four in four games. They can't do that. You know, if you lose to LSU 28-24, okay, it's acceptable. LSU's probably better than you. Losing to them 19-3 in the way you lost to them last year, that's not acceptable. So it's it's not only a, a number, but there's a performance standard. I hate to use the word standard, but there's a performance standard as well for Moorhead. What did you take from his comments? We'll sort of go off topic here. I thought what he said at Media Days really sets the tone for why Tommy Stevens is going to be the quarterback. He said, look, I got complete faith in these guys as runners, and as far as leaders, I got complete faith in them as leaders. It's who's the better passer. That that that, that said it right there. Didn't oh yeah, it? oh yeah. Because if you thought Keaton Thompson was an adequate Stevens passer, wouldn't be here. Stevens wouldn't be here right now. He, I mean, if you read between the lines of everything that Joe Moore had said, and, and you know, Joe, if you happen to listen, and I'm not convinced that he doesn't listen sometimes with some of the things. Hey Joe. <laughs> hey Joe. Well, we 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 do you know like and appreciate you and know that it's a tough job, uh, despite the fact that we sometimes sit here and don't understand things, which we're idiots. So there's it's that. It's not your fault. Yeah. Uh, 
but but no, if you read Joel reading between the lines of everything he said, um, to me, and no, he, he did not verbally say this, but with everything he said, he basically said Tommy Stevens is the starter unless he just comes in and can't throw. Right. And, which seems unlikely. Which seems highly unlikely, or he wouldn't have brought him in because I think in his mind he already has quarter a quarterback that can't throw. Right. I think uh, I don't want to say can't throw, but has no faith in him making the throws. Right. Exactly. Um. And, and so I think that's the entire reason that Tommy Stevens is here. And no, he did not name him the starter. Although I do think that we're going to go into that game week like this is not. I don't. This is not going to be a. Dan Mullen situation where we show up in New Orleans and it's going to be 11 a.m. and they're going to run out there and then we finally see who the starter is. I think we're going to know that Monday press conference before the game, if not before. I think we're going to know before. I think we're going to to know about midway through camp. Because I think Joe Moore is going to want to give Keaton Thompson some some ideas of what he can do with his future. And oh, by the way, another reason why this is kind of smart too. I mean, God forbid, but if Tommy Stevens goes there and pops an ACL or something. Right. You, you know, gotta have some, that, you gotta room, yeah. Yeah, you, you know, room to maneuver. It's not like you lost your starter, you right? Know? You, you, they were competing, and a guy got hurt. So there's, I kind of understand why you have to play things this way too. But um, I, I still think that the only way Keaton Thompson is your starter is if Tommy Stevens gets hurt, or if he just comes in and something's not right, craps the bed. Yeah, I agree with you. I wonder what happens then this year. What if State overachieves then? Does, do, do people start really buying into Joe Moorhead? Not, not again, not MSU people, but nationally, the people like, look, this, he's got this program going. In the right. Could they be the? Do you start seeing uh, like, could they be the next Clemson kind of articles if State? Let's say State goes out and goes nine and three, and then wins its bowl game, ten and three. Well, you know, big, big picture, big pie in the sky kind of thing. But what if that happens? Does everybody go okay? Moorhead has taken this program. Mullen got him to this point, and now Moorhead's going to take him to the next point. Uh, yeah, I think you're going to start seeing a whole lot of like national guys kind of jumping on jumping that on train. Board, yeah. um, you know, I was looking at the schedule the other day, and like, what if State six and zero playing LSU here? You know what? What it, because again, big pie in the sky. I, I don't think that's going to happen. But they play their three non-conference games. They should win those. They play Kentucky at home. They should win that game. Then they have Auburn and Tennessee on the road, neither of whom are particularly impressive opponents to me, but they are on the road. And I think Tennessee's – I think Auburn's the only – I mean, it's Tennessee on the road. I get it's on the road, so you may lose yeah. that game. But to me, I think State is at least 5-1 and one heading into LSU. So, yeah, so at worst 5-1. and one, But if they're 6-0 and oh playing LSU, and LSU – let's say they're undefeated. They've beaten Texas at that point. I think they've beaten Florida and Auburn. All of a sudden, that's, that's your CBS 230 game. And you're talking about, well, the winner of this game has to looks ahead to November to play Alabama. It's crazy how <laughs> that could happen. Now, that, look, that's a big if, and I don't know that it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. I, could, I, I won't be completely shocked if State's 4-2 and two playing LSU. I, I would be shocked if they were worse than 4-2. I don't think that that's going to happen, but if that happens, you know, if Moorhead can't get it going, whatever. It's funny how perceptions, you know, what do I always say on the show? Perception is reality. But perceptions, they hang by a string sometimes. You know, if Moorhead beats Iowa, we're not having any discussions about Moorhead and, and what this season needs to happen. You know, if 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 Moorhead, uh, you know, it could have had the exact same record, but if the offense had been good, you know, you just lost because for whatever reason, you're not having these discussions. Everything is it's just so fluid. 
course, know, if the offense had been good, they'd been 12-0. 12-0, I know. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> I mean, think about, you know, think about a year ago when we were talking, we were like, okay, offensively this team's going to be really good. It's just what can Bob Shoup do? <laughs> you know? I mean, that's it's crazy. That's a complete 180 from where we are today. Now we're just like, look, defense is going to be and fine. And now the defense loses three first rounders. Ah, like, oh, fine. Defense all right. They're fine. So. <laughs> Funny how these things work. No, no, no question about it. And that's why – I never, I never try to lock into anything, you know. For me, like I make a prediction, I might even make a bowl prediction. I might say, "Oh, they're going to do this for sure." Last year, I was convinced. I basically guaranteed in the preseason, State's going to LSU and winning that football game, and, and I thought they would. It doesn't happen, but for the most part, you know, I understand. I think I said it last year. Each week is its own season sometimes, and it just changes every every time. You never know, you know. Whatever happened last week, that affects what happens this week. You can't just go back to, well, you said in August. Well, it doesn't matter what I said in I, I August and October. I think your quote last year was something to, along the lines of, my opinion is allowed to change based on what has just happened. Yeah, I, when I get deal. new information, yeah. I can change my opinion. You know, I don't lock in like that. So, we'll see. Yeah. Camp starts Friday? Is yeah, that right? they start practice Friday. Yeah. Start practice on Friday. And we'll so, talk, I guess they report Thursday. Yeah, and we'll talk to Moorhead on Friday. So, we'll yeah. have some, uh, some football talk with him, uh, some video and all that kind of good stuff with Joe Moorhead on, uh, on Friday. Some of the other people got to talk to Joe Moorhead on this past Saturday, and one of them gave him some good news. MSU gets the uh, the prodigal son back in the class. Malik Heath, who you might remember, was committed to MSU, signed in 2018, had some academic issues crop up towards the end of the summer. I mean, a really late enrollment at Colin Community College, uh, but is now back in the fold for the class of 2020. The nation's number one junior college wide receiver out of Callaway High School, of course, six foot three, 210 pounds. Now, I know what you all saw in this tweet. I know, I know what you saw that. Still open. Guys, Malik Heath just enjoys being recruited. He just enjoys it. You know? and my God, man, let the man have his fun. Go take your visits, young man. Do what you got to do. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy the process because you're not going to ever have it again. But at the end of the day, he's going to be in Starkville. I mean, that's been the case basically for – this is a kid who committed to Mississippi State as a rising uh, sophomore <laughs> in high school. He's been com- – he his committed to MSU, if I'm correct, in the uh, spring of 2017. I uh, was committed – never never wavered in that commitment throughout the high, the high school recruiting process, and now has gotten back on board uh, with Mississippi State. This is all part of MSU's big cookout yesterday. Bulldogs now with the top uh, – the number 18 class in the country, 23 commitments. 23 – State. I've always gotten on state for about the way they've they've undersigned. I don't think it's going to be an undersigning class this year unless they start dropping guys. Uh, unless they start dropping guys or guys start flipping. Yeah, doing some counting here: six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten junior college guys in this class. Wow, that is either going to work out really well or work out really poorly. It's either going to work out like 1999 or it's going to work out like 2001. Those are your two options. You've got, a, you've got some Fred Smoots and Dorset Davis and Willie Blades in this class, or you've got some Corey, well, I shouldn't say Corey Banks, he was good, but you've got some Richard Balls and uh, Tommy Kellys, who had a great pro career, but didn't do Jack and Cotton, some Kamal Jacksons in this class. That's what you've got. you got one or the other. Um, and like I said, most of these guys, these Yuko guys, there's one offensive lineman, and then you've got receivers, 
and defensive lineman. It's a little nerve-wracking, to be honest with you, for two reasons. One, that's a lot of JUCOs. That is a lot. But secondly, 23 commitments this early. What happens if you get a rush of guys who want to commit to you? They miss you must the coaching staff must feel really confident that they're not going to be adding a lot more. That that they're the guys they feel like they've locked in on, and that's all they're going to get. They're not expecting any late decommitments, any late flips, unless something unusual happens. Because if that happens, you're going to have to start trailing some guys. Sorry, but there's no room at the end. Are you 23 commits? Is that too many to have the first week of August? I mean, I'd have to have that inside info to, to be able to definitively say that, but I don't know that. I mean, have we ever seen that? Have we ever seen that many guys? I'm trying to remember, you know, the the remember the 15 class where they had that ridiculous big dog camp where they got like eight guys. I want to say going into the season they were at like 18 or 19. 23 is a lot to have this early. Uh, I mean, I I guess I should check. You know, sitting here talking about it, does anybody have more than that? Uh, Bama has 22, but of Bama's, you know, Bama is a team that they're so fluid in their recruiting. I guarantee they'll have some guys that they they just they just. And they can do that because they're Alabama. They can just say, look, you know, yeah. sorry, mid-four-star kid, but this five-star kid wants to commit to us, so you're out. Yep. They, they can do that. LSU has 22, sort of the same boat. Ohio State, 22, sort of the same boat. Michigan, 23. I guess maybe it's not that big a deal. Michigan has 23. Miami has 23. Uh, Penn State has 20. Ole Miss has 22. So I don't know. I, it's just It just feels like a lot. It does. It Especially does. with the way recruiting is, you know, with the, the early signing period. I mean, I would imagine of this twenty, if these twenty-three guys, the state gets them all. And I know that there's been some talk that uh, one of these players, John Carice Patterson, will not end up being a part of this class. But if the state gets them all, you're talking about the last month of the season, the last month of recruiting, that January into the last signing day. There may not be anything whatsoever for Mississippi State to do. Maybe just you know, is there a best available guy out there? But they may not be bring in more than one or two guys. That's it's like I said, it's just weird, right? Yeah, yeah, but I mean. I- I mean, I guess that's okay. You get who you want. I mean, what's it matter when you get them kind of deal. So, uh, yeah, it does seem odd, but as you read that, I guess it's not that odd. But I don't know. I don't know if worried is the right word for me. But Worried isn't the right word. It, it's it's just – and amazed isn't the right word either. But it's, it's more like I'm just looking at it and going, huh, you know? <laughs> almost full, and there's a long yeah. way to go. We're almost full. At, at, at all, you know, It's July 28th as you're listening to this podcast, which we'll have up uh, later on uh, on Sunday. It's just weird. It's just odd. But you know, it's one of those deals that it'll, I, I, it'll work out. It always it, it, does. it always does work out. I'll give you that. And I like you know they've attacked. State had three needs in this class. And quarterback is always a need. I don't I don't count that. You, you always need to sign a quarterback. But they needed to get some defensive linemen in. They've got that. They need to get some receivers in. Some guys who could play immediately. That seemed like they feel like they've got that. And they had to get a couple running backs. And they got two good ones. They got two four star kids. So you know. This is a class that both looks like it's going to be, you know, top twenty class, which is about where MSU is going to recruit on a year in year out basis. But it feels like it, you know, so many times in recruiting, like they field needs is a is code word for it's not a really good class, but they got some players in these positions. And then sometimes you hear, oh, it's a highly rated class, but then you look and you're Ole Miss and you sign nine wide receivers. Yeah, so. State seems to be getting a little bit of both. The balance is good. It's all about that balance. It is all about that balance, Brian. So, if people learn nothing else from Thunder and Lightning through the years, that's they the will, thing to learn. Whenever are we air our final episode, that's how we need to sign off. Yeah, like just remember, it was, it was all about this balance. It was all about the balance. There you go. All right. 
So, like I said, MSU now at 23 commitments. I'm interested to see who the next guy's going to be. It feels like this it's going to have to slow down, right? I, I can't imagine at this point. Like I said, are they going to go into October with 27, 28 commitments? Because then you're, you're talking about you're going to have to figure out either who's getting processed from the class or who's getting processed from the team. Because one or the other is going to happen. Yeah. So, because this is not a huge senior class for MSU this year, I don't think. So, we'll see. All right. Tomorrow's show. We're going to do an, an Auburn show this week and a Tennessee show this week. So, we'll get those. We're going to do a positional breakdown show. We're going to do defensive linemen and linebackers. Let's do that tomorrow. Uh, and then we'll do a uh, – we, we can do both SEC previews tomorrow, too. So, that, that'll be a full show. So, line, tomorrow, linebackers and cornerbacks. Oh, no, sorry. Defensive line and linebackers. Uh, Alabama, and then we got to figure out which East team we haven't done yet. I'll, I'll go through that and I'll figure it out. And because uh, the last two, obviously, the last two weeks are going to be State and Ole Miss, Ole Miss and State. I guess I should say because we're going that that order. Hate to put them first, but it makes sense for this. <laughs> so, all right, guys, we're guys. We are glad to be back with you, and we'll be back with you, uh, barring any uh, hiccups, the rest of the way through this uh, this 2019 football season, which has started. It has begun, as far as we're concerned. So get ready for it. Talk to you tomorrow for Joel T. Coleman. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Talk Mississippi Media Production.